Greetings and welcome to Pearls of Patriots New York. I am your hostess, Michelle Wary. Joining me today is Kari Weiss. Kari has several leadership roles in DAR, including New York State Registrar and State Chair America 250. It is Kari's leadership role as a member of Lineage Research Spanish Task Force, where I'd like to focus our conversation. Greetings, Kari. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing really well. Kari, I'd like to start our conversation with the patriot you joined, Daughters of the American Revolution, with. But then I'd really, really like to jump right to the fourth patriot you researched. You are such a great storyteller, and I'm just going to listen. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I actually joined on my oldest ancestor, William Anderson um, of Virginia, of an area that even today in Virginia, that he, um, it, his land is called Anderson's Bottom. I was told when I was joining to go in on the oldest ancestor I had. So it was 10 generations back. At the mm -hmm. time, that was the oldest one that I knew of. So I joined with him in a chapter where I lived at the time I actually wasn't even planning on becoming a member of DAR. I kind of thought of it as a very exclusive society, one that I didn't even think I'd know how to join, even though I knew I had a patriot in my tree. But I was teaching at the time, uh -huh. and a woman was substituting in my class. And after school, she said, I'm sorry, I can't stay late, but I've got to rush out. I've got a board meeting for my DAR chapter. And I said, oh, I, I, I think I'm eligible to join that. Uh -huh. And and she said, oh, you have to come to a meeting. And it turned out this woman and her sister were um, both members of the chapter. Her sister was also someone that I had worked with. And I was hooked from that moment on. It took me a year to complete my chapter application. The registrar had moved off and um, I did all the research and stuff. And it was, it was really rewarding um, and such a lovely, lovely chapter to join. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it wasn't until um, uh, maybe just a few years later that I was on one of the private DAR Facebook groups for those who work on what are called supplemental applications. Those are members who choose to prove their lineage to additional patriots in their family tree of their direct line. And somebody had posted on the board, I believe it was Tyler Hancock, who at that time was the national vice chair of lineage research for the Spanish task force about a new Spanish patriot being verified. New meaning nobody had proven their lineage to him before. Uh -huh. And it piqued my curiosity because I had remembered from preparing for my grandmother's Orteg family reunion that we had had some Spanish lineage in our tree, but I hadn't really thought anything more of it. And it certainly had never occurred to me that there would be Spanish patriots in the American Revolution, which is kind of silly considering my, I graduated with honors in history for my undergraduate degree. But I went to the genealogical research system, which is part of DAR's public website called the GRS for short. It allows you to search your lineage either by the patriot or even by descendants. And so I went to the Patriot section and I typed in Ortec, which is my uh -huh. grandmother's maiden name. And up pops 
you know, that there's no searches by that name. It suggests you search Ortega. And then right below that, it came up with the name Joaquin de Ortega y Criato. It's exciting. Uh-huh. And Go I ahead. thought, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I thought, oh my God, this is exciting. I wonder if that name's in my family tree. So I walked over to get the family history book that I'd prepared for our family Ortega reunion just a few years back. And I pulled it out and I looked in the index. It's a book that I had prepared, but obviously it had been a few years since I'd looked at this line. And there he was. So then I started combing through everything and I looked at his son and I thought, yeah, I don't know that that wife does not look like she's in my tree. So I went and pulled my um, Ortag file of my actual documentation of the lineage. And I started going through what would I need to prove my lineage to this man? I mean, a Spanish patriot, how exciting. Something right. I never knew existed if it weren't for DAR, which is a little embarrassing to say, but also important to note for history what a large role Spain played. Mm -hmm. Something I'm very proud of when I think about today. Um, and right there in my folder of family history research, I had everything I needed to prove the lineage all the way up to um, the child of the Patriot, which included um, not only the vital records, so death certificates for later parts of my lineage that hadn't already been proven, but I had a guardianship record, I had family deeds to link the lineage, and then I had Catholic church records. That was actually the most surprising thing about the research for me when I was looking at my grandmother's line was um, when I'd been preparing for the Orteg family reunion was to learn that I had had Catholics in my tree. Right. It's, it's, it sounds so silly, but it was something that I had no idea. I just, there weren't any Catholics in my family that I knew of. So the fact that I had them and then what is so exciting for me about having Catholics in the family tree are the vast amount of church records that are available. In Southwest West Louisiana, Father Herbert created a book of um, transcribed church records, which was extremely helpful. And I used a lot of those original transcriptions, not original, the transcripts, obviously, mm -hmm. are original, but I used a lot of his transcriptions in order to prove the lineage. So, okay. so that was really exciting, which leads me to um, my patriot. His name, as I mentioned earlier, is Joaquin de Ortega y Prieto. What we know about him is that he was born on August 2nd in 1755 in Tordesillas, Spain. His exact arrival in um, New Spain, the part of Louisiana, is not really known. I think the first documentation for him is um, uh, in, in Opelousas, in, in the area that he ended up um, dying in, was his marriage record to his wife. But some earlier records with um, Letters to Galvez um, show him as early as 1779, but we're not quite sure where. Okay. Um, he came from a middle-class family. It's clear from the original letters that still, copies of which still survive today, that he was very well educated. Um, some of the letters indicate a very strong familiarity with uh, General Galvez, which means he, they were probably um, friends. It's who knows if they were friends from before Spain or not. That documentation has yet to appear, but one can 
assume or make an educated guess based on their correspondence that they were friends. He was in charge, Galvez put him in charge of the commissary during the American Revolution in Pensacola. And as I keep mentioning Galvez, I should just, for those of you who don't know, Bernardo de Galvez was the governor of Spanish Louisiana. That part of what is now America was mm -hmm. owned by Spain before. Um, there was a long history with Spain in the area and also became parts of France. The, the area territory went back and forth. And during the Seven Years' War, France um, lost a lot of the area to, um, to America, as did Spain. There was a big conflict going on there. If you want to pick up your history books on that, it's, it's quite fascinating to read. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but Pensacola was a key part of the American Revolution. And General Galvez was in charge of the troops. Spain did a lot of covert acts for the American Revolution early on. But it wasn't until the summer of 1779 that Spain formally declared war against Britain on behalf of the patriots. And... The Battle of Pensacola was a key act that allowed the Patriots to um, take more control over Britain through Spain's acts. And with Joaquin being in charge of the commissary there, it's not the commissary that you'd think of today where someone's just running the food. If you wanted guns, you had to go through him. If you wanted flour, you had to go through him. If you wanted cattle, you had to go through him. There was, it was, he was instrumental in helping Galvez with whatever was needed at that time to um, run there. Um, what we know from before is he was probably a civil servant and um, did really well from the area. He had been injured by gunpowder, which um, shows up in the 1779 correspondence to Galvez, mentioning that man Ortag. Mm -hmm. And um, there are many, many descendants from him today. I believe so far, five of us or six people have proven their lineage to him within DAR. And anybody who lives in Louisiana with the name Ortega or Orteg Ortego um, are descendants of him. The reason the name variations include is because of... Um, lack of consisting names being used during that that time and also ortigo goes more with the french-speaking culture if you think of how french names are spelled at the end like rochambeau or things like that mm -hmm. um, that's how ortega became ortigo and so that part's exciting what is really nice for me is thinking that it comes kind of full circle and that later, my grandmother was able to join, picking of all the patriots I had in her lineage. She picked him, uh -huh. her, her maiden name, and her direct father's line. And um, coming up in just a few days, on November 5th, my daughter will become a member on her Spanish patriot. So, And I've proven my lineage to nine, so she had plenty to choose from. <laughs> Not as many as some women in DAR, but um, ones that we're certainly proud of. So it was very exciting to me to see it come full circle. And one thing that's also really um, heartwarming to me and important is that um, the area where he passed away, the French church in Opelousas, is going to be, not the French, the Catholic church, 
mm-hmm. is going to be having a marker place there. My cousin Melinda from my Spanish Patriot, we both share him. Um, she is a Texas daughter. She has worked hard to, and received approval from the historian general to have a marker placed um, in the cemetery. We don't know exactly where he was buried, but in that area where he lived uh, for, in honor of him. And um, money was donated by many of the descendants. And I know my mom and I contributed in, in honor of my grandmother. I think that's wonderful. Now, when you were doing the research for for your grandmother, because Kari, we we talked for a, a you know prior to you know being able to have this conversation today, and some of the what you had mentioned to me about your grandmother was just so wonderful. Would you would you share that? And I know it's it can be quite emotional for you. Um, gosh, that. Just that um, my grandmother had lost her father when she was um, very young. He had died in a car accident. And although she knew his mother, um, she didn't really know a lot about his line. And um, the Orteg family, at some point, the name had dropped the A and the family that had migrated west through Texas, up through Oklahoma, and then for my line eventually to California, um, mm-hmm. all went by Orteg. And we used to have family family guesses about, you know, where did this name come from? You know, some people would say it was French. Some people would say it was Spanish. Nobody really knew. And um, I can remember going to reunions. There was one in 1985 that we had in Las Vegas, and they had typed a ha- family history book with oral history, but they didn't really have anything on Edward Orteg, which was my grandmother's, her father's father. Mm-hmm. And what I know now, having documented it and preparing for a later family reunion, once I was old enough to be um, stuck on this hobby of genealogy research <laughs> and really wanting to dig up the stories, was that Edward had been orphaned as a very young boy. He and his brother and his sister were orphaned when their their mother had died shortly after his younger brother was born and his father had remarried and then his father died at the end of the civil war um i don't have a lot of documentation on his father there's a probate distribution and there are guardianship records which is how he was able to prove the lineage um his father's name was treble orteg and um I used that stuff to go up the tree because it meant so much to my grandmother to to learn more about her history. It was something that we would always enjoy talking about. I, you know, long conversations with her and trying to piece together the story of what what their lives would have been like. I think everybody likes to do that when you imagine your ancestors and you think about what their daily life was like, what their troubles. And I, I think about how hard it must have been for her grandfather as a young boy to lose both parents. And I wonder how he went from being under the care of his uncle who had received guardianship of him when he was maybe eight years old, 10 mm-hmm. years old. I don't have the documentation in front of me, but it was quite young to um, migrating over to Texas from Louisiana with really no, it seems like there was no connection with the family since then, which is probably how so much of the story had been lost. Um, so that part was really re- rewarding. Um, mm-hmm. 
and it was it was nice to me to see when my grandmother joined but um my grandmother had um reluctantly after many years of of doing it decided that she was very happy to become a member especially after i had proven the spanish patriot and um unfortunately she was only a member of dar for a few months but it um it's something I know she was really happy with. And right. uh, it makes me really proud that even if we kind of went in the reverse order where a lot of people join on their mother's lineage, that um, I was the first to join, then my mother followed, and then my grandmother followed. And now we'll have the fourth generation becoming a member in just a few days and on this Spanish Patriot. Oh, my goodness. That's great. Now, so... Let us know how you made your journey from California to New York. Uh, that that has <laughs> nothing to do with my Spanish patriot. I was <laughs> I was young and in my twenties, and um, I was studying. I you know I fourth generation Californian on my father's side, growing up in Los Angeles County, and I was studying improvisation at the time with one of the directors of Groundlings Theater in Los Angeles, who'd helped. Pee Wee Herman and Elvira create their characters. <laughs> and um, I had the opportunity to study with him, one of the directors from Second City in Chicago and a playwright in New York for some intensive workshops. And um, uh, within three days, and I am not a spontaneous person, but within three days, I decided I'd leave a month earlier than I planned. And I booked a one-way plane ticket because that was the cheapest way I could come out got on a plane and flew to New York um, and stayed with a friend for one night at her house, not knowing where I'd be living and managed to um, managed to actually get an apartment. And I managed to get some agents and I just kept extending my stay in New York. And somehow that's how I ended up here. <laughs> well, we are Thoroughly happy to have you as a New York daughter. No question about it. No question. Yeah, I, I don't know what, you know, I think life wouldn't quite be the same without DAR in my life. Aside from, obviously, my aspect of being drawn to the history and the genealogy part, the, the women itself in the organization and the service that we do is something that I am so proud of. I think I'm constantly nagging at friends to let me get into their tree and see if I can find, find <laughs> a patriot. Um, and I'm always so excited when somebody is willing to share that information with me. So would you tell, tell other daughters and other non-daughters of the American Revolution those members or those women, you know, some of the key points, you know, of places where they can find new discoveries, discoveries that they might not look and think of as being applicable besides, you know, oral history and moving on from there. Well, I think one of the things that, you know, I, I'm a prime example of the fact that the organization isn't necessarily what you think. So it's worth further exploring for yourself because I had a lot of preconceived ideas about DAR and every single, single one of them was debunked pretty quickly. It wasn't a stiff um, society that was so removed and so um, exclusive. It's a group of warm, wonderful women. I mean, 
it's it's exciting and fun to be a part of it. Like anything, it's what you put into it is what you'll get out of it. Mm-hmm. But when when wanting to join, I think the first place to do is there's a membership interest form on the website that anybody can fill out. And there are chapter registrars everywhere that if they don't know how to do the application, there are resources everywhere. I'm a member of the National America 250 Task Force that helps work on the really difficult applications. That's one resource. I'm also extremely proud to work with National Vice Chair Anthony Stars on the Spanish Task Force. And the goal of that is to identify patriots and help women join who have patriots of Spanish descent who served in New Spain on part, uh, did patriotic acts towards the American Revolution. And also to bring more awareness of Spain's role in the American Revolution. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I was one who really should have known more, you know, given my history background as a, you know, as a history major, given the fact that I have the own fam- my own family history is there. I really was not as aware as I should have been on Spain's role. They played a, a vital role. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bernardo de Galvez is a prime example of one whose troops were quite diverse. He had men of color. He had Native Americans. He had Germans who settled on the German coast in Louisiana. He had a large, very diverse group, and the groups weren't segregated. They all fought together. So you could have a German name in Louisiana and actually descend from somebody who would you know, have participated in the American Revolution, and you might never have known. So it's, right. it's definitely worth exploring. And I think the wonderful thing about DAR is how many women are willing to give of their time to help others. I mean, the fact that women are really uplifting each other and, and volunteering and working tirelessly and selflessly to help people is um, quite remarkable, I think, and something I'm, I'm very proud of. Well, I was going to say, Cara, you are right in there as well. You get an awful lot of your time, truly. I mean, I'm the member, as a member of the Spanish Task Force, you know, how many discoveries have you made for new patriots or how was that process working? Are you discovering new patriots or putting it out there for others to come to you to I mean, a combination of both. We, mm-hmm. we have a Facebook group where we work together. Um, Anthony and her sister Molly actually published a book on My Patriot, okay. um, which I've shared with a lot of family members. It includes some of the original papers that um, Joaquin de Ortega y Prieto exchanged with General Galvez. And they're constantly searching for new resources where you can identify people that served. I mean, a lot of people aren't aware that there are some Texas cattle um, ranchers that donated cattle directly to feed the troops. And those records are available in the Behar archives, which are online. You can actually look at original records. They are in Spanish but the website does offer free translations. Mm-hmm. And then there's a book by Thonhoff that tells who the cattle ranchers were. There, you know, there are people in Missouri who descend from people who were in New Spain at the time of the American Revolution who served. There's, there's battles all over. And I think my own story tells how, how quickly your preconceived ideas can be debunked. I had never researched in the GRS before 
um, to look for a Spanish patriot. You know, I had looked for names that are in my tree, like Parks, Duncan, Pitts, Stallard, you know, traditional English names that people would typically expect to have been here during the colonial era. Mm -hmm. And that was a mistake on my part. So I think do away with your preconceived ideas and, and, and really explore that website. And don't forget to look through deeds. Don't forget to look through guardianship records, you know, probate estate um, distributions. Just because somebody didn't have a will doesn't mean they didn't have things that needed to be legally dealt with on how they were distributed after their passing. Um, deeds are my favorite resource that I think are completely underutilized. And I've used them frequently when trying to prove my lines, especially when traditional records that people would think would normally be available can't be found. Deeds mm-hmm. are a wonderful resource. So, well, Carrie, I'm sorry, Carrie. I knew I was going to do that. <laughs> I, I knew it. Carrie, you have been a wealth of information. You really have been. And, and I thank you for all of your hard work in DAR. I, I, you have done a lot really for the organization. Well, I, I'm, I'm humbled and um, grateful for the opportunity to speak really. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. Until next week, be a voice for the voiceless. <laughs>